The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you doing, friends? Welcome to episode fifteen. I'm your host, Paul Leslie, and it is a real honor to be joined by this artist. It was actually music that inspired me to want to speak with Melora Harden, but she's an actor, singer, songwriter, recording artist, dancer, director, so many creative endeavors. So, how are you doing, Melora Harden? I'm good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a real honor to speak with you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's lovely to be here. With all of the things that you do, when would you say you're experiencing the most joy? You know, I think I'm experiencing the most joy when I'm using the most of those things that I do. <laughs>、um, I really enjoy kind of when I was performing on Broadway in Chicago and I was dancing and singing and acting, doing those three things that I love and I've trained for all my life, and you know that that was just such a high. And then I would say, you know, directing our movie, I was really, I was really, it was, you know, there was a lot required of me, and I really love that. I kind of love that feeling of. Being tapped out, you know, like being we were producing it, co-producing it, my husband and I, and I was directing it, and we were also I would, you know, a mom to our two kids who were also in the movies. So it, it just was sort of really wonderful to. I like when all cylinders are firing. <laughs> That brings me the most joy. So when you're be when you're able to perhaps dance, sing, act, all of those things. Yeah, that 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 is a, a specific kind of joy, but. But also, I would say, just in general, like right now, I'm I'm working on,、um, you know, I'm making a, a documentary、uh, series that you know that requires an incredible kind of focus and a lot of my skill sets all working at once. And I will ultimately probably put in a song or two of mine, and and that'll be another you know wonderful part of the process to record those, re-record those with with one of my best friends, Paula Cole. Who's an amazing Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter, as you know, and so yeah, I, I mean, yes, it's true that like the singing, dancing, and acting all at once is really specifically an incredible high. And I would also just add that 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 kind of sloshes over to kind of anything when I'm when I'm using those skill sets, you know, and those talents that I've honed. Kind of a combination of many things, you know, is always good for me <laughs> to be directing and. And to be editing, and to be recording music, and to be you know, sort of, I kind of think maybe that's one of my greatest skill sets is that I can do many things at once, and that that brings me a lot of pleasure to do that. Can you give us a, a couple of maybe little hints, a little bit about this documentary? Well, I I can't tell you too much about it because we we haven't really sold it yet, but it's but it's definitely going to be sold. It's it's very exciting, very timely. I will tell you that it. It, it's something that I am directing. It's also something that I'm in, not because I put myself in it, but because I happen to be in the story. It is about sisterhood and it's about sexual abuse. My my subject was brutally raped when she was seven, but she also has a connection to me through a fan letter that she wrote me when I was ten years old. So it's it's a very interesting. Uh, and to get to be honest, we actually came back together again through music because I was, I was,、um, or I should say, we actually met in person. Forty-three、um, years, or forty, I guess, forty years later, was it forty years later?、Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Forty years after the fan letter, 
we met in person because I was directing Paula, Paula Cole's music video, 20th anniversary for Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? And I needed a horse and she has animal actors that she works in. And that was how we kind of connected. And it was sort of this incredible, like, who, you know, oh my God, you're, you're Cindy Prescott, which was my character on Thunder, which was this show that I did about a black stallion that came when I whistled. And together we would save the day. And so really the story is about it took it took 43 years, but Thunder and Cindy finally came to help. It's sort of this sort of story about sisterhood and about healing and about love and about friendship and female friendship in particular, uniquely kind of the story is unfolding in a very uniquely feminine way, which I think is timely and exciting. Speaking of fans and this fan letter that you got, I'm curious about what kind of interactions do you have? What is it like when people that you don't know identify with you? Yeah. I mean, I will say that part of what's so special about this documentary series is that, you know, I think that the main reason that I became an actor, I think, besides just the fun of it, the fun of performing, I think that probably was the first instinct was that I just, I just had so much fun dancing and singing and acting. And just to me, it was just a big a big like, you know, romp in the in the sandbox, you know, um, as a child, because I started acting professionally when I was six and dancing when I was five and singing and writing songs since I can remember. And I think that, you know, but then when you get older, and you get more conscious of what you're doing, you realize that really, the reason you're doing it is to touch people and move people and to make them laugh and to and I think that the success of the office really was the time that I noticed, you know, how many people would come up to me and say, you know, going through this terrible divorce, you know, you made me laugh, you kept me laughing, or, you know, thank you for all the joy that you brought me. And, you know, just, you know, thank you for, you know, getting me through these hard times or through someone's, you know, death or just, you know, relaxing me at night with a good laugh. And, and that was really, I think, very meaningful to me and, and, and made me realize that, that's the stuff I gravitate towards too. You know, as an audience member, I gravitate towards things that move me. You know, I remember seeing Les Mis on Broadway in the eighties when it first was there. And I sat on the edge of my seat and thought, Oh my God, I want to do that. And then I got to do that at the, at the Hollywood bowl here, which was one of our incredible outdoor venues that holds 19,000 people. And, you know, I, I had 60,000 people see me over the course of three nights sing I Dreamed a Dream under the stars and under heaven and God and all those you're singing about in that show. And that was just extraordinary, you know. So so that's really what it is. Like now, at this great entertainment is so fun, but great entertainment that has meaning and that 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 is doing good in the world is really uh, kind of where I'm at in my life now and where I'm at in my creative expression and what I want to be doing and so when you get that feedback that that somebody was moved by you or that you made them think a different way or change their thoughts about something or you made them have a conversation that they've been wanting to have uh, that they couldn't have until they saw something you did or a, a piece of music you wrote or, you know, or or a film you directed or whatever, it, it really is very gratifying and, and very exciting. So. That's my most of my interaction with fans is really about how they're moved by me and moved by something I've done or something I've been a part of or some little part I've played in something. And it's really uh, it's really wonderful. It's really beautiful. And you mentioned earlier the singer 
songwriter and recording artist Paula Cole. Uh huh. Which I saw the music video that you're talking about the the new Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Uh huh. Yeah. And she has a special place in my heart because <laughs> with, without having ever done an on-camera interview, I asked her, the music star that she is, would she be willing to do that? And she said, sure. And it was just a, a very, a lot of people were very touched by what she had to say. So yeah. tell she's us about soul. Paula Cole. <laughs> she's a deep soul. I mean, she's one of my best friends. We met when we were both pregnant with, with my first daughter and, and her daughter and we both chose to have home births, and so we kind of bonded over that experience. And, you know, and also just, uh, I think, bonded over being, both being, you know, moms and very committed to that, but also committed to our art and really passionate about our art and being working women who are also moms and, um, and, and passionate about both of those things. And I think just our artistic souls really connected she was always incredibly positive and loving to me about my music and and also I think very maybe you know kind of inspired by by what I was doing as far as you know uh, continuing my career whilst also being a mom <laughs> so she's wonderful and we've actually had a couple working again on this documentary series she's going to be uh, scoring scoring the series and producing a couple of my original songs for me, as well as I'm sure, including a couple of her originals, I'm assuming when we get to that portion, we'll see how that all pans out. But that's the intention. I put it out there that people could ask you questions. And I heard from people around the world, quite literally. Wonderful. And I wanted to present this first person here. And I'm going to play back. I hope you can hear it. Here we go. Okay. Hi, my name's Natty, and I have a question for Melora. But first of all, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you so much, Melora, for being such an amazing role model. You inspire me so much, and you really never fail to make me smile. And even more importantly, thanks to you, I got to meet some of my male best friends, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. You're amazing. So since you're not only actress, dancer, singer, director, I mean, you've done it all. I guess it's not always been easy. Probably did not always work out, you know, and you had to deal with lots of no's and failures. So my question is, if you don't mind, do you have maybe any advice for your young fans, how to deal with rejection or how to feel better about yourself and, you know, not give up when you really want to? Thank you so much and love you. <laughs> okay, and that's from from Germany. Well, first of all, that's beautiful. And <laughs> she made me cry. <laughs> oh. That's really touching. Yeah, I would say that, you know, we all want to give up sometimes. And I would say that, you know, that first of all, you need to you need to look at how you're contributing to whatever your situation is, because sometimes I think people look outwardly and they think, oh, you know, these people are doing this to me or or why can't I get mine kind of thing. And you focus on the the negative, you focus on the, you know, the, 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 um, sort of what it is that isn't coming to fruition the way you would hope it would. And I think that, I think it's really important to kind of look inwardly instead of outwardly and sort of think, you know, how am I contributing to the, the narrative here? How am I contributing to the way this is, this is all unfolding? 
And if you can figure that out or you can go to a therapist who can help you figure that out or you can talk to a friend who can help you figure that out or a family member, I highly recommend that because I, I, I do think that, that once you find that, you can realize how breakdowns really can precipitate a breakthrough as long as you don't align with the breakdown, like the breakdown is the thing and that's the real truth because a breakdown is an opportunity to to, to look deeper and to dig deeper and to ask yourself really important questions like what is going to make me happy? What am I actually going for? And am I going for the right thing? Or am I just going for this because this is what I think I should be going for? Or is this person, you know, am I my best self with this person? Or am I, you know, am I my best self in this job? Or, you know, am I bringing my my special guilt skill sets to this to this environment because everybody has unique and special contributions to make in relationships you know in family in career and it's important to identify those and then value those to really really value those things and to and to hold them up high and and really and really put them out with a lot of a lot of love and gratitude and humbleness and so yeah i would say communication, communication, communication with the people around you that you trust that can, that can really help you figure it out. And then, and then, and then think of it as an opportunity. Great answer. And thank you to Maddie. And I I believe she's from Germany who sent that in. And then we have one more. It looks like Hassan, but he says it's pronounced Jason. Laura, I'm very excited to hear you on Paul's show. I'm most familiar with your work as Jan from The Office, in which you were fantastic. We've also worked in other shows and projects I love, and my question is, you have to put together a room full of IKEA furniture with Thomas Bagnum from Magnum PI, Alan Shore from Boston Legal, or Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap. Which one would you pick and why? Bonus question. Your pick if your options were instead Dwight Schrute, Leisure Shoot Larry, or Rob Schneider's Jessica from The Hot Chick. (laughs) <laughs> there we are <laughs> well let's see that's it's a, that's cute that's a very cute question very creative question thank you jason i would say that to the first so putting together a group of uh of ikea furniture i would say definitely um well for sure sam i it would be between sam beckett from quantum leap which is scott bacula or tom Selleck's character in magnum pi because Mainly because those two guys are just both so warm, and and now I'm like talking personally, not even character-wise. I just <laughs> have to really like hanging out with both of those guys. You know, Scott and I could could put on a whole musical putting together the IKEA furniture, which would be, you know, as you know, per my earlier answers to Paul's questions, would be a high for me and lots of fun because you know he comes from musical theater and is a great singer. And so we could uh, we could do it uh, in song, which uh, I think we'd both get a kick out of. And also, he's married to a fabulous dancer and choreographer, so I'm sure she could choreograph something fabulous for us to to dance around the furniture and and dance on the furniture. So so that would be great. And then you know, Tom Selleck was married to a dancer for many many years, and you know, so he he really loved he really loved that about me. I worked with him when I was 15 years old, and. And I remember him really loving that about me, that I was a dancer. I was a very so serious about it at that time, too. And, and that was really cute. So, yeah, one of those guys. And then I think the other three were 
Rob Schneider from The Hot Chick or Dwight Schrute or um, what was the other one? Do you remember? Leisure well, Shoot. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Leisure Shoot. Leisure Shoot. Leisure Shoot Larry. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Easy for um, you to say. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, I mean, come on. I, I don't know if you ever saw the cartoon of Leisure, Leisure Shoot. Ah! I'm my, sorry, I cursed you. My character in the game is so hot. I, my cartoon character that I sing in that game is so hot, and that song is so cute. And he's just such a, a, a wacky character. So, again, you know, again, it comes back to having all cylinders firing. And, and I think I could, I could bring the most to the Ikea arrangement with, uh, with Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, so I would pick him. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the podcast that you did, The Radiance Project. And yes. I would encourage everyone, I should say, to listen to it. It's really, Uh-oh. really good. Yeah, it is really good, isn't it? It's beautiful. And something so different. I really That's what I really like about it is just how unique it is. Something that you – well, a lot of the things that you said in the interview gave me questions. And I didn't, I didn't get the connection. I didn't know that – but I didn't know that your father is Jerry Harden. Oh, yes. He and is. Uh, both of your parents – Actors. Yes. Yes. What did and you my, learn from my them? Mom's a famous acting teacher for lots of young young people. And my mom and I are actually writing a book together right now. Well, it's kind of my book, but she's we're she's contributing author to it, which is exciting. And you know, using both of our our the places we've both put in ten thousand hours, way over ten thousand hours, um, which is her teaching and 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 my acting and also my my self-discovery and, you know, life coaching and therapy and all those things that I am really passionate about as well, just because I'm so fascinated by human nature and in particular my human nature and the way that that, you know, kind of informs my work and my characters and all that, my relationships and so forth. But I learned, I think I learned about, I think I learned just about the craft of acting, certainly from them. I mean, they were so focused on the craft of acting. There was never a focus in my life about being famous. There was always a focus on the craft. And so I really did learn that from them. I kind of had to learn the other part, sort of the career part almost kind of afterwards, because I, I kind of wanted to go farther than than I was. Although I was always a working actor, I, I wanted to kind of, you know, bust down some more doors and have some more opportunities and you know, and the way to do that in my business is to get more recognition and, and to get to get lucky enough to be on something that makes you a celebrity and where you can really start, you know, kind of playing, I what I like to say is kind of running alongside other thoroughbreds. And so that I think was really what they mostly gave me was was a sense of groundedness around craft and a real a real sense of what craft was I, I I really like that's just in my DNA and I have a real understanding of my craft and I don't really have to think about my craft my craft is not like a, a thought process it's more just sort of integrated into me although I I do know how to talk about craft because because they talked about it a lot and because I've co-taught with my mom and I've taught master classes and I've in particular taught master classes on how to, you know, how to act a song because a lot of singers don't know how to act a song and that's been a really fun contribution that I've that I've tried to make around at different places. Um 
And just, uh, I think that, but also just the value of family, the value of, of really, you know, my parents have been married almost, I guess, 50, 58 years. And, you know, they've gone through ups and downs and good times and bad times. And I think they taught me about tenacity and, and um, continuing to strive for your ideals. Like, you know, my husband and I have been married, we just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary, and we've known each other for 30 years. And we continue to grow and evolve our relationship. You know, neither of us are sedentary in the way we approach a relationship, a marriage. You know, we, we work to keep it thriving and, and we're willing to face the dark in order to see the light on the other side. And, and we have great teachers and helpers and we're both willing. And, you know, one of the therapists I had used to say, you know, you make a choice to be with someone and then you have to be willing to do what it takes to make that choice work and to keep making that a choice. So I, I'm really grateful for, for that love of family that they gave me that love of craft and, um, the love of work, the love of working and not being afraid of work, not being afraid of intimacy or scary places that you might have to go in order to get deeper. People see many times the glamorous or the the shiny side of being an artist or being an actor. But what would you say it is that people do not see? Oh gosh, I don't I just don't think they see the work it takes. <laughs> um and the resilience, the resilience and the, the, the faith and the just like getting down and dirty in whatever way you do, because every, every person is different, every artist is different, but it requires people who have a, a really, really incredible ability to push through adversity. And it's why you see some artists kind of imploding with drugs and alcohol and you know because the pressures are extremely great and it and it takes an incredible kind of personality to be able to ride that wave and and that wave is a very up and down and very inconsistent wave and and also just how to find joy and happiness in 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 those ups and downs and which include the downs, you know, I think the healthiest artists that I see are people that do embrace the downs, you know, and my life coach at the moment says, you're going to be a much more joyful person. Once you realize that life is loss, you start losing things from the minute you're born. If you can embrace this idea that life is loss, then you're going to be more joyful because, you know, it's you're not always trying to strive for the things that you've already lost, like a long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think I think it takes, you know, and it and it really and it is a hard question because it it just isn't, you know, my answer is my answer. And I'm sure a lot of artists would say other things. And so I feel like it, that's sort of the point, right, is that it it really takes just a certain kind of person and what that certain kind of person is, is sort of undefinable because it is unique to each artist, but it definitely does include resilience and it definitely includes tenacity. <laughs> That's for sure. And hard work and fearlessness, you know, fearlessness and the embracing of pain, the embracing of the dark, the embracing of the downtimes and the loss. What have you learned from the characters that you have interpreted? 
Oh, God. I mean, usually I just did a really fabulous one-woman movie, uh, which is just this quirky little film that is going to find a home for sure, probably at the beginning of next year. There is an Instagram account for it, so everybody should follow it. I think it's Golden Vanity Movie or GV Movie or at, gold, at GV Movie, something like that. Anyway, I'll find that before we finish here. But but what I like about it, it's these two young filmmakers that, well, the, the filmmaker, you know, two young writers who partnered together. One is the producer and one is the the director of the film. And they just, they really set out to do this very specific and quirky, bizarre little movie that as far as we know is the first one woman movie ever. And I do sing in the movie since we are kind of drawn to this conversation through music. I get to, I do sing in it and it's, that's really fun. And I play this character that is, that is sort of a, she's sort of, you know, kind of based on Judy Garland, you know, it's, it's loosely based on, on some Judy Garland tapes that she made right before her death that she was intending to write an, an autobiography. And so it's, it's this tragic, you know, it's funny and it's dark and it's, it's tragic, this, this movie. And it was kind of, it was so fun to get inside her because I think that there was a part of me that for a long time in my twenties, I used to think I was born in the wrong time because I was, you know, I was a singer and a dancer and an actor and Judy Garland was one of my, my heroes, my heroines. And, and I really was, you know, sort of feeling all the time, like, Oh, you know, I should have been born in the, you know, in the, in the, in the forties, the, the, you know, the forties and the fifties when I could do all those musical movies and, you know, would have gotten under contract with, you know, Warner brothers or whatever. And, you know, it's just such an incredibly tragic story (laughs) that if I learned anything, it's just, I mean, I think I've already had come to this a long time ago, but just that, you know, we're so much, we're so fortunate (laughs) nowadays and, and, you know, what is, what is available to artists in particular, female artists, but all artists, you know, now and performing artists and, and, and all, and the rest is, is so, you know, it's right. It's right at our fingertips. There's not like such a big golden lock and key like there was back then. And I think that this is a wonderful example of, of, you know, that, what that's like when people were kind of imprisoned by that studio system and by the beliefs that, you know, people had to be, you know, destroyed in order to practice their art. <laughs> so, Well, speaking about the music, as I said at the top of the interview, one of the things that inspired me to want to interview you was this album of yours. It's called All the Way to Mars. And it's a lot of songs in terms of variety. There's a Paula Cole song on there. There's many songs that you wrote. And then, of course, some some classics from theater. And I'm curious... What would you say is your song, the Melora Hardin song, if you had to pick one? That's a hard question. I mean, are you meaning something I've written or just in general, any song? Just in, yeah, just in general, a song you wrote or it could be any song. God, I mean, there's a Billy Joel song that, that, I, that I just love. But I think I do. I mean, it's called uh, it's called and so it goes. I think oh it's one. It's just one of the most beautiful songs ever written. 
and so vulnerable and, and so kind of really the way a love relationship is, which is that like I bear my soul to you and you can take it or you can leave it. And that's just, but I give it to you. I give it to you fully. There's something really beautiful and resonant about that song for me. But there's so many, God, I mean, I could, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm just, that one popped into my head. At, but there's so many. <laughs> I mean, there's another one that Amy Mann wrote, an incredible song, I think called Nowhere Man. Is that possible? Uh, nowhere, man. something Where like man. Nowhere Man or, anyway. By the way, the Instagram for Golden Vanity was GV Movie, at GV Movie. That's the one woman movie I was just talking about. And I could look it up. I could look, try to look up the Amy Mann song, but it's a beautiful song. I tend to really like sad songs, even though I think I'm a really pretty joyful person in general, a uh, pretty happy person. But I tend to like sad songs. I like to feel that kind of achy feeling. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I really enjoy that. The music does that for me. So I'm going to look her up while we talk, and I'll see it, if I can find the name of the song. It is Nowhere Man, yes. It is? Yeah. Okay, okay good. You found it before me. See, you're so much. faster. I told you I'm not technical. <laughs> <laughs> There's something beautiful about those lyrics. Wow. I mean, and I haven't thought of that song in forever, but that's an extraordinary song, too. And that's like, that's like the uh, Tom Waits song, uh, The House Where Nobody Lives, which is also like similar to Nowhere Man. I don't know why, but di- just similar feeling, I guess. It's just, oh, that song, the lyrics of The House Where Nobody Lives is just, oh, my God. It's just, it's just so incredible, you know, that what makes a house a home is, you know, the people that live in it. And, uh, oh, God, yeah, very poetic. So I'd say those three are incredibly poetic songs that – are really thoughtful and smart songwriting, surprising songwriting, and very moving songwriting. You blew me away with mentioning that Billy Joel song. I've felt for a long time that that's his best song. <laughs> wow. And, I do too. And you know what is really weird? He does too. Yeah? I heard him in an interview talking, and someone asked him, what do you think is your most – underrated song or some or like what is the song that you love that you think that people don't think about or they don't know about and he said and so it goes wow yeah i was at a art garfunkel concert down in macon georgia and the song that he started the concert with he started singing it from backstage was Mm. so it goes wow it was awesome (laughs) wow well, what inspires you as a musician, as a songwriter? Well, Billy Joel is one of my great inspirations. I discovered him when I was about eight years old. And um, I'd been writing songs. My mom said I wrote my first song when I was two. So um, I've been writing songs literally as long as I can remember. And I just I just was so drawn to his lyricism. He's such an incredible lyricist. And melodicist, you know, and I and that's really what I what I am. I mean, I'm a melodicist and a lyricist. I'm I'm not an instrumentalist. I don't play an instrument very well well enough to accompany myself or even really write on an instrument. I I write with my voice. My voice is my instrument, and I just I just really connected to those melodies and those incredible lyrics. I just think he's a great storyteller. So I would say he was my most formative songwriting kind of mentor. I mean, I just listened and listened and listened and listened and 
memorized his lyrics, you know, and, and then, you know, and then just sort of discovering people over time, people like, you know, people like Paula, I was already a fan of Paula's before we met her songwriting's amazing. I, you know, you know, Joni Mitchell's songwriting is amazing. Um, Dolly Parton's songwriting is amazing. Who else did it? I mean, Fleetwood Mac, I have to say, like, I loved their songs, like such perfect pop songs and just so, you know, incredibly catchy hooks and, you know, and lyrics and also, you know, thoughtful and poetic, but, you know, cool and weird, but great. And so, and at the time, so kind of mainstream, but but, you know, now looking back, like just such really amazingly solid songwriting. And so, yeah, those are some of my early. And then, of course, I did. I was always really inspired by the old songwriters. I didn't really know who they were at the time, but I loved, you know, all those things. And, you know, those songs that came out of Singing in the Rain and and the, the Barbara Streisand songs that came out of the star, a star is born like evergreen and, and, you know, watch closely now and those incredible songs from that. And then of course the original star is born with Judy Garland. And, and so like Cole Porter and EB Swan and, you know, like what'll I do is one of my favorite, you know, songs from that time. So I love old songs and old melodies, uh, older melodies, and just how incredibly melodic and cheeky and funny and, and, and sort of saying so much without, you know, hitting the nose on the head. And, and then there's, you know, nowadays there's like, there's incredible, there's incredible people that, that are inspiring to me too, like Macklemore, you know, you know, these, these, some of these rappers that are, that are speaking about really important subjects in ways that are really honest and vulnerable and, you know, uh, modern and cool. And yeah, so there's a lot. I just, when people are vulnerable, when people are really speaking their own truth in their own way, I like it. (laughs) I don't have much bias about music. I like, I like all music. I mean, Marilyn Manson's amazing, you know, Um, and some of his stuff is you know, fantastic and Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. So kind of all over the map, but just always listening for that, that real thread of truth and sort of what, what is their truth and when it, when people are speaking it, then, then I get it and I hear it. The young lady who kind of was out of the business and is back writing that extraordinary song that she wrote about, I think her manager that my daughters keep me up on all the newest stuff. What is her name? Kesha. Oh yeah, Kesha. Yeah, that new song that she's written is just wonderful. It's just a beautifully crafted song and beautifully produced and she sounds amazing on it and you can just tell that it's absolutely from her heart, from her guts, you know. So I love that. I love it. When I hear that, I'm in. I'm sold. <laughs> you have very eclectic music tastes. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> As a singer and songwriter and recording artist, what would you say is the biggest compliment you've ever received? Um, well, someone once told me that, uh, I mean, I've got two. Someone told me once that they had put in my CD per and that they'd memorized all the, all the lyrics and that they'd been driving around Los Angeles listening to it. That was 
ridiculous for me. I couldn't even imagine that someone had done that <laughs> the way I've done for, you know, so many other artists. And that was very exciting to me. That was kind of in my 20s. And then, you know, parents at school had this adorable little girl in kindergarten who was five. Her name was Faye. And Faye, they had put in my CD, my, my per CD, and she loved it so much and knew all the lyrics. And every time she'd see me, she'd just throw her arms around me and was just sort of almost starstruck with me you know, because of my music, <laughs> my little five-year-old. And she just like melted my heart. And ultimately her parents said that, you know, Faye wanted to have her first sleepover at our house because she wanted me to sing them <laughs> to sleep night and then of course my children are you know many years older than than Faye so anyway Faye had her very first sleepover ever at our house when she was about six (laughs) and I I sang some songs from she's yeah this one's a little she's a little pistol this girl she's going places let me tell you she's got four brothers and just her so she's she's gonna she's gonna be uh, quite amazing little young woman and woman but uh but anyway so i we had her over oh she was just adorable and just you know and you know i tucked them in at night and i sang i sang a few songs from her and she she's just she knew all the lyrics and just had a a smile plastered on her face from ear to ear so that was pretty uh, satisfying and then just about i guess three two years ago maybe i had someone follow me around michael's crafting store and I assumed that they recognized me from the office or, you know, transparent or something I'd done. But uh, but instead, you know, finally he goes, I'm sorry, are you Melora Hardin? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I want you to know I've seen about 20 productions of Les Mis and yours was the most moving rendition of I Dreamed a Dream I've ever seen at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> so, and that made me cry right there in the aisle. So, so, that was pretty amazing. Wow. Well, what is the best thing about being Malora Hardin? <laughs> mm, you know, my children and my husband and my life and my animals. And I guess that I feel, you know, safe enough to feel, you know, whatever that is. And to, through those deep feelings, express. And um, so I'm very grateful for having... You know, as as my friend Hunter and I say, and, and even Joanna Coles, who is the, the woman that my character on The Bold Type, which is this new series I'm doing on Freeform, is based on, we sort of say we are women that enjoy swimming in the deep end. So I think that might be my favorite thing about me, is that I like to swim in the deep end with other people who like to swim in the deep end. <laughs> you got a chance to talk with a couple of people who had... Uh, send in those questions, but just for anyone who's listening in, you have a lot of very devoted fans, and mm-hmm. I know this because I see all the things that they have been writing, and there's really just just genuine love coming from them. So, what would you say to all of your fans out there? Um, well, I mean, first of all, that I I'm sorry it took me so long to get like with it with the times with like social media and stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm really slow on the uptake with that. And and you know, I, I wish that like you're saying you see that I you know, you see that and I'm just now seeing that on social media and stuff because I just I just didn't even really know that that, that was sort of a platform for for 
them engaging with me and now I get it and I really, really appreciate it. And it's, it's really heartening to me to, to know that, that I am touching people and that what I am doing does have meaning and does have, you know, can, can precipitate healing and, and joy and uh, magic and, and fun and inspiration to, for them to also swim in the deep end <laughs> in their lives. So it means a lot. And I really, it's very moving and you're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my last question, who is Melora? How do you define Melora Hardin? I mean, I would say, you know, first and foremost, an artist and a mom and a wife and a performer, a creator, a lover, a healer, a friend, and... Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. You're so welcome, and thank you. And I, I really appreciate it. You have such a very calming and soothing sound to your voice. You have a very lovely voice. Are you a singer as well? No, but I was thinking at the beginning of the interview that you have as lovely a speaking voice as you do a singing voice. Oh, that's nice to hear. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you really do have a very, very nice sounding voice, and my and I I know a lot about that because my my husband ha, you know does a lot of books on tape and has an amazing speaking voice. So uh, it's good that you're doing a podcast where your voice gets uh, displayed and enjoyed and and listened to by people because you're really nice to listen to. You're very very soothing sound. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, you Thank should. You. Thank you for That's saying that. Good. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I really appreciate your interest, Paul, and your your excitement about my music. That always moves me to no end. I've had, you know, probably the, obviously the most success that I've had in the world has been through my acting. And so I don't know why, but it's just for me, it's always kind of special when people connect to my music and, and you know, you know, I've obviously focused more of my energy maybe because that's just what has kind of come my way to the acting and but I mean not that I don't spend energy on my music as I do on my private times I just mean like out in the world it's you know it's not as readily out there uh, as my acting so it always is just like especially meaning to me meaningful to me when 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 people kind of seek me out in particular to because they've connected with my music and especially you know my songs that I've written from my heart and like it really, it really is just like, I kind of can't believe it. <laughs> and I kind of always just feel really, really honored and, and really grateful. And so thank you very much for that. My pleasure. I hope to hear <laughs> and, and see you sing live sometime. Oh, I would love that. What, what part of the country are you in? The Southeast. I'm in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll try to remember that that's where you are. But of course, you'll be following me and, and I'll be following you or something on the uh, on the social media thing. So we'll be able to find out where we are and what we're doing. I, if I if I do get out there or somewhere near there, I'll I'll definitely post about it because I hear some people say that's a really good way to connect with your fans. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, have uh, a wonderful day. Thanks, Paul. You too. Till next time. All right. Till then. Wasn't Melora delightful? I enjoyed talking to her. If you want more information, you can visit her website. It's melora.com. That's M-E-L-O-R-A dot com. Melora.com. 
And I wanted to tell you real quick about what happened after we finished taping this interview. It was my wife's birthday, and I wanted to take her out to eat. And so I suggested where we might go. And she didn't seem like she was that hungry, really. I named a few places. And then eventually I came to There, which is a gastro pub in Brookhaven. Brookhaven is a part of Atlanta. And let me tell you, folks, her eyes lit up. There was no doubt she wanted to go to There. Now, I know this sounds like a paid advertisement. It is not. I just wanted to take a moment to express how much I love this place. There is a place that you could be dressed up. You could be wearing flip-flops and a t-shirt. It would feel so right to be there. I mean that. I see people there that are very dressed up. I see people who are very casual. And it's a very hard thing to nail, but they do it. Neither looks out of place. My wife had the salmon burger. I had the mahi-mahi Cuban sandwich, which I had never had before. It was so delicious. The service was impeccable. And so I just wanted to say thank you to there for really, really making my wife's night. Thank you to Bill Brown. What can I say, folks? I love to eat. I love a cool spot. That's all I've got for this time. Thanks to Melora Harden. Thanks also to Bob Bradley for making the interview happen. And it's always a pleasure to have you listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Also consider rating and reviewing. It helps other people find this podcast. Have a good one, folks. Until next time. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.